Uh, hi guys, Russell here. Um, so one of the funny things about being you know, a fund manager and now newsletter writer is that in general, uh, other financial prof professionals will know your views on assets uh, while you might not know theirs. And so you often get these sort of strange conversations where the people just suddenly, without even you asking anything, just tell you how you're wrong on whatever view that they uh, disagree with. Uh, and I must say over the last week or so, maybe even a bit longer, I've had a lot of people tell me how I'm wrong on bonds um, and how uh, central banks are about to cut interest rates and interest rates need to collapse. And they tell me a long discussion about a credit cycle, blah, blah, blah. I just listen to them. Um, all I would say, what I find interesting is uh, often these are the same people or same types of people who were super bearish on JGBs in the 2000s and, and 1990s. Um, and were, of course, wrong. And being short or bearish JGBs back when was called the Widowmaker trade, um, the original Widowmaker trade. Um, and for me, you know, when, you, when I look back at markets, you know, you can sort of see how everything fits together. So what I'm showing here is, you know, Jap Japanese monthly wages uh, basically have flatlined since the early 90s, right? So when you combine that with limited uh, uh, population growth, what you end up with, you end up with a stagnant GDP, right? Just GDP growth not growing. And then for me, in this type of environment where real wages aren't really growing, got sort of stagnant population growth, the credit cycle essentially is a business cycle. Or the credit cycle just determines GDP growth. And then what you can see is sort of in the uh, uh, Japanese had a big banking crisis through 2000s, uh, early 2000s. And then we had the GFC, another banking crisis. And what we now see is, you know, basically when credit contracts, you have a, 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 a business or economic crisis when you don't have any wage growth. It's a very simple uh, lesson, something we learned back in the Great Depression, but seemingly have forgotten. Um, so when you don't have wage growth, it's very easy to fall back into recession and, and or depression. Um, now, Japan is an extreme example because by the early 90s, Japanese wages were so high, so far above other Asia, uh, wage, uh, wages in Asia, there was real downward pressure on those wages. Um, and, you know, with population growth going negative, you know, very, very bad outcome. Um, I would say that, you know, Japanese wages now have a lot of room to rise. So I would say the outlook for Japan is much better than it has been. When we take lessons of the deflationary Japan, they do apply to the states to a reasonable degree. So we look at the FDIC uh, balance sheet or loans on the balance sheet. So the FDIC is the US Federal uh, Deposit Insurance Corporation. Um, and it basically tracks you know, what banks are doing. We can see that whenever credit growth uh, is poor, you, so in, that was in the early 90s and saving loans crisis and the GFC, you have a crisis in, in the states. And, you know, when credit's doing all right, things are okay. So people, you know, I think in their mind, when people tell me TLT's a buy, bond yields are going to fall, Fed's going to cut rates, they're sort of looking at things like, you know, mortgage refinancing, uh, looking at a whole other different sort of credit metrics to say, okay, credit's about to turn in and the credit cycle is going to turn down and we're going to end up with a financial and economic crisis again. Um, I think the problem with this analysis uh, as I mentioned many, many times, it ignores the political and financial priorities um, of governments. And what that means is that I think if you look at, particularly if you look at the US, which is very transparent in political trends, 
pro-labor policies are extremely popular. Um, and both Biden and Trump are trying to present themselves as, you know, uh, union, pre union pro-union presidents. And the thing about nominal folk moving from a pro-labor to uh, moving from pro-capital to pro-labor policies is it allows US GDP growth to accelerate. So what I show here is a five year. So how big is US GDP growth from five years ago? What you can see is that the, the this is nominal terms, is that the pro-capital period from 1980 through to 1920 was really, you know, really uh, was a very low, a relatively low nominal GDP growth. That's because inflation came down, of course. And so they always talk about it in real terms. But, you know, when you're paying bills or you have government debt, it's the nominal growth that's more important. Um, and so you can see that nominal growth really slowed. And now ever since, uh, particularly since COVID and we've gone to sort of pro-labor policies, we can see we're having very strong GDP growth again. Um, so the five-year GDP growth is you know, back at very high levels. And so focusing on labor and wages makes sense. There is another huge benefit, which I think is really understated, particularly by corporates and by investment banks and other stuff, other people in, who work in, in financial markets, is that there's a huge benefit for promoting wage growth uh, or pro-labor policies. And that's because individuals pay tax and corporations really don't pay very much tax at all. Um, and so we look at like just a 12-month rolling tax take, you can see the individual uh, tax collection is very high. Social insurance is, is also quite high and really rising quite rapidly. While corporation tax stays flat to low. Um, it's proven incredibly difficult to, corp to tax US corporates. The system that currently exists for taxation and corporate taxation really allows particularly US, large US corporates to avoid taxation. And what we've seen, uh, particularly outside of the US, and what we've seen is ever-increasing consolidation in industries is allowing more and more of that world to, or the US corporate world to minimize its taxes. Um, and what we've also seen with Trump, uh, and this is you know, taken from The Economist, if we were, if the US was to enact uh, Trump's uh, tariff policies, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't in the current climate, you could see that custom duties will raise as much taxation as corporate tax. Um, you know, because they can tax that. You know, if you can't tax corporates, they'll tax somewhere else. And of course, uh, custom duties and tariffs are very inflationary. Um, so for me, you know, I, I often think in life you'll do be something and it comes to a natural end where you just, there's no more benefit in pursuing those policies. Uh, and then you need to make a change. Uh, sometimes it's not clear you're at a natural end, but I normally think, particularly in hindsight, you always know there was something a natural end. Uh, and I think really we've come to the natural end of, of pro-capital policies. They, they really benefit very few people uh, and financially unsustainable, socially unsustainable, and politically unsustainable. And so we're now moving back to a sort of pro-labor, wage increase driven growth. And what that means is that you don't really need, credit growth is not important uh, to GDP growth anymore. In fact, Without sort of some sort of credit contraction, you can't actually keep inflation under control. And so what we're starting to see, and we're already seeing in financial markets, is real rates can move to what I think a lot of the guys who are telling me to buy TLTs think 
at very high levels of real yields in the sort of recent history. Uh, and that is going to create a financial crisis. So that's why you need to buy the bonds because Fed's going to cut rates again. Um, my observation, anyone who lives in the real world would be, yeah, interest rates gone up, but it doesn't be, seem to be any slowdown in economic activity. Yes, some people are having trouble financing people who made a lot of money, but the average Joe on the street has not seen any particular slowdown. Um, and so for me, we've seen a rally in TLT. This month, you know, what we saw last month was a huge spike, uh, which I thought could be the beginning of a bigger breakout in that, in that ratio. What it's done is just come back. Uh, so we've seen financial assets do very well this month. Um, and but when I look at it, so just back to its 50-day moving average, um, you know, it could sell off a little bit more by Dalit because what we see is uh, people are really, you know, really believe in the sort of credit-driven cycle that pro-capital policies have established. And so they're buying, been buying TLT like crazy and continue to buy it. Uh, even though it's been terrible, terrible place to be invested. Um, and so we're seeing shares outstanding for TLT uh, surge. Now, for 40 years or whatever you want, you know, short JGBs or short bonds in general has been the widowmaker trade. I would say to me, long TLT looks like the new widowmaker trade. Uh, certainly, the persistence of people pursue this, even though it's costing them money, is for me phenomenal. All right. I hope that made sense. Stay safe. We'll talk again soon. Ciao.